and we're back and you are listening to villain cast bjj anti-heroes with myself chris the villain pains and naki el jefe ashed and welcome to reap the week firstly a thank you to our sponsors the lovely patrons on patreon thank you for believing in this work and if you'd like to learn more about supporting this channel along with receiving exclusive content such as new episodes of how to defend everything 3.0 along with personal coaching you can find out more via chrispainesbjj.com hi nack how's it going how's it going uh i'm oh, good, good mate oh, good. i don't know if there was a delay there or we're just idiots um i think there was a delay i think there was a delay <laughs> let's hope let's hope there was a delay or we're just <laughs> stupid um so it looks like um this little discord um slash reap the week relationship is going quite well so um if anyone hasn't picked up yet we have a discord channel there are links all over the place on youtube videos and if you're watching this uh via youtube there is a video if you watch, if you listen to this podcast there is a video for this uh on youtube there is a link to the discord channel if you have any questions you'd like us to talk about on the um on the podcast uh drop us uh some messages through there and we'll talk about it um it's going quite well i think it's definitely um that kind of um we answer people respond and we just kind of build that conversation it seems like a i know it's kind of like a very slow way of doing a conversation because we're essentially just doing it like one week apart we get questions and then we answer it via this um it's going quite well uh anyway uh catching up how's your week been it's been good to be fair good good start as well I've had a good yeah. week of training, you know. I had a really good week of training since I've been ill and come back. I had a really good week of training. Yeah, I went the other way. I've been just a bit fatigued the last couple of days. Um, yeah, I don't I know if I'm coming down with something. Uh, Maybe. Yes, yeah, so I didn't. I didn't roll real roll today. Um, I forced myself in the gym though, um, which actually good, good. It good. wasn't on our Discord channel, but goes on to the first thing I want to talk about. Uh, so you're a fitness PT. Are you Naki? Yes, I am indeed. Um, so uh, you've had a, an interesting career trajectory up to this point of becoming a fitness PT. So I know it. Do you want to fill in anyone listening to this? Uh, what got you into the PT? And also, like you, you, you came to fighting for eight years ago, not looking as you do now. So I'll, I'll I'll leave I'll leave the brief history of Naki up to you. Yeah, I'll just do a brief one. So, um, yeah, my PTing I've always been involved in fitness in some sort of way. I mean, I used to play football when I was younger, and then played like for a team, and then played casually as well. Um, and then I played rugby up to like county level, up until I was like sixteen, seventeen. So I've always been involved in like being fit, even though I put a lot of weight on over the years. But I was always active. Um, but when I went into teaching, I just wanted to like find a way out, <laughs> and uh, I was already training jujitsu. I thought, you know what, I can make because I re- I went into the Europeans, if you remember, the white belt. But I went into the blue belt division or something. Like that. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, that's when I realised like, I can make a go good go of this. So, so when I came back, I thought, let's let's give this a shot. I had some money saved up, so I thought, all right. I wanted to do something in that PT side of the world anyway, so let's just give it a shot. 
Um, and then from then on, I just started researching and uh, researching different kind of programs and how people train conditioning, you know, losing weight. Because, uh, yeah, like I said, I was 130 kilo-ish when I uh, met you probably first time. And I walk around about 85, 86 at the moment. Um, so, yeah. Which is insane. I mean, uh, I uh, I was talking to Arturo the other day, and he was, we had a similar conversation, and uh, yeah, it was interesting. You couldn't believe it when I showed him the pictures. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. You. You. You were. Uh, you did not look as you do now, um, which is kind of upsetting because you you you've you move like someone who's eighty five kilos, yet you have the power of someone who has one hundred and thirty, and it's. <laughs> I call it the uh, Volkanovski effect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you are you are a Volkanovsky from Stoke. Um, uh, so going on from that, then um, when I first, weirdly, when I first started doing jujitsu as well, you know, fourteen years ago, um, I arrived relatively overweight. Well, not not overweight. I was overweight before I started. Uh, um, getting back into martial arts again uh i was was quite a lot bigger than i am now um and i had never lifted weights in the gym before and i you know i went to to fighting fit uh our current gym and got the shit kicked out of me uh and realized i had no cardio and no strength um so then the initial thing i, I couldn't run more than like half a mile mm. i remember the first time i ever went into a gym i put uh, 10 kilos either side of a 20 kilo bar and dropped 40 kilos on my chest and some dude had to come up and like one arm deadlift the uh, the, the barbell off my chest because I couldn't wow. lift it I was that weak um, and yeah I, I also couldn't swim I don't know that's related to grappling but I thought it had to do with cardio and full body motion so I taught myself to swim um, until I was like doing a mile a day, and that was like my initial kind of fighting cardio. Um, I then came across the work of Martin Rooney, Training for Warriors. Uh, this would be about late 2009, early 2010. Um, if anyone uh, has a chance to look up Martin, he used to be the so his first book, Training for Warriors. Um, I the the guys demonstrating all the techniques in that book, all the workouts were like Gracies and stuff like that. Like he was the S and C coach for a lot of those early BJJ kind of heroes, and because um, he operates in like the northeast of the US, uh, the guys known for their cardio, Jim Miller, Frankie Edgar, he's also their S and C coach. Um, so he's got a bit of a, a pedigree on that. He's also helps with NFL draft and. Um, I went to his Training for Warriors program. He then released two more books. He released Ultimate Warrior Workouts, which was um, uh, he went around the world to like different martial arts, like you know, like boxing in the UK, kickboxing in the Netherlands, and took workouts that those athletes were doing, and uh, then put them into his book. It was like quite a thick book as well. And then the third yeah. one, which had like Frankie and Jim demonstrating the techniques, was um, Warrior Cardio, and that's like my bible. Like for for getting fit for jujitsu, that was my bible. Um, so yeah, I went from you know nothing to decent cardio, like decent yeah. fight cardio uh, and decent fight strength. Um, 
courtesy of, of Martin. But I was so I'll, I'll go into like details on what kind of like I used out of that. But what did you find got you fittest for this? Like, what was the thing that you kind of went for in the gym that kind of got you strong and and uh, everything else you needed? That Martin Rooney book, I don't know if you remember, you recommended it to me, and uh, them hurricanes I do sometimes. They, they, they're crazy. 20 minutes of death. <laughs> I've just got back into them. And um, oddly, like, so we have a, a white belt in our gym who's a little beast, um, Archie, and I put him into hurricanes. And that's why in this recent competition, like, he just did not get tired. He was just smashing and smashing and just, he was going. And yeah, once you kind of get used to hurricane training, uh, the the name of his like H uh, is hit training. Damn. Um, yeah, that stuff's violent. Yeah, and to be fair, that's what inspired me to then create my own workouts using the hit and the circuit training kind of methods where it's like a certain time period with explosive power with the minimal rest or varied rest, depending on what I'm working on, and uh, including the main movements, uh, pulling, pushing, squats, hinges, deadlifts, and that's how I designed my own pro- my own conditioning. I don't really copy anyone in that sense, but uh, I just put a group of exercises together, what I'm doing, uh, do it three times a week, and then I just use that method of time, just mess with the variables, yeah. see, what, see what really fucks me up. <laughs> It's so what yeah. it really is. That's how I gauge them. I'm like, what's fucked me up? And then I rate it out of 10 in my head. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this again. <laughs> I think that's pretty much where I ended up going eventually was just like, what can I do to fuck myself up? Uh, <laughs> and um, still sticking within with that, the, the sprint. Something's wrong with us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, as in that idea of progressive overload, like it always has to be challenging and uh, suitable to your sport. Like, Doing just flat cardio like for two hours doesn't make sense. Um, similar to what we were talking, was it last week episode? I can't remember about GSP. How Chael Sonnen was talking about how uh, he heard, he was I think he was fighting on a UFC card. And he heard GSP was down in the basement training at like some hotel in Vegas. So he went down and GSP just does like five five minute rounds, and but they were the like, hardest rounds you've ever seen, um, and that was it. Like no more, no less. And, you know, Chell was used to his, like, you know, hardcore, wild wrestling training. And was just to watch yeah. this, and guys go, nope, that's my five. Done. Um, <laughs> and, like, that's one of the things that, you know, it was, it was interesting, like, married up with what I was doing with the hurricane training. Like, it married up to this idea that I'll do five minutes of insane um, S&C, stop for a minute. Which, you know, sometimes in a... In a you know that makes more sense for MMA, but in a tournament, like you might have like a five-minute break, yeah. So being able to get your heart rate back down again, to be able to go again, was was kind of the thing that I really wanted to push. Uh, and then changed up when I was doing sub only, like ten, fifteen-minute matches. I'd not have the breaks, and so I'd go for like fifteen minutes of hard, hard cardio. Um, and that that was like that informed my um, training, as it were. Uh, the other thing that I found quite interesting, so he refers to these things called Sadiv sets, um, named after, us, I think, someone in his gym. Uh, and it was a way of um, like improving strength without gaining too much mass, um, which 
Yeah, I, I actually met Martin at uh, Body Power in the UK. He was like a key speaker at one point. Like, it must be about 2011. I was like meeting my heroes. And like, his sedative set workout. So I started, like say, you know, benching 40. I was 82 kilos. Um, could, you know, started at 40, you know, managed to get myself up to about 87. I plateaued for quite a while. Met Martin. You know, he talked about his sedative sets and he talked about push-ups. I uh, then took my bench from like 87 up to about 130 uh, within like six months or something stupid. Like six months to a year. It was bonkers. Like, nice. so, um, yeah, like the, when it comes to SNC, uh, that's what I pretty much will come back to now is um, so we talk about, you know, hurricane, like hit. I think, yeah, sprinting. Also, like the the use of the treadmill, like I found was really good for mental cardio. As in, if you use a bike or a track or anything else, if you get tired, you'll just slow down. But the treadmill don't care. Mm. Uh, if you're on a treadmill and you set it to you know ten percent incline and like twenty four kmh, if you get tired, treadmill don't you're care. Off. Yeah. Treadmill's gonna fart you into the ground, um, and that kind of like. That's the same as a fight, as it were. Yeah. It doesn't matter how tired you're getting. Like if you suddenly have an explosive, you know, a few seconds, if you get tired, you're done. Uh, you know, the, the, your your opponent don't care. Yet, same as a treadmill. And I, like, I appreciated that kind of mental mm. cardio over time. Like, you yeah. know, I'll push through this, even if it hurts. Um, <laughs> and yeah, definitely, definitely was like the, the main catalyst for me being able to survive competitions and, and regular training. It definitely was a good supplement alongside good rounds. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, it's one thing I've been saying in the gym recently. Um, I think I said on the, again, my brain gets fried. Uh, continuity. So, if you're going to do something in class, do it inspiring. If you're going to do something inspiring, do it in competition. Don't separate these things out. Otherwise, why are you doing them? You, 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 like, um, if you think in competition, well, I need to be on top to score points, then spar like that. Spar to be on top and get points. Like, there has to be a factor of that in your training. And if everyone's doing it, then you'll have people force you onto the ground and you have to get back up again. And then, like you'd say, your drilling has to then reflect that. Like, it has to reflect getting them back on top, etc. Um, and I think since we've kind of moved to that, like, more honest style, of sparring like more continuity between training it has um necessitated better essency uh just so i can keep up <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah it's it's beating the age out of me so to speak no wonder i felt fatigued <laughs> um so going actually onto the discord then and questions that people have asked uh, we talked last week about guard passing, about denying the spaces behind the knees and the armpits. Um, what controls to look for during passing? Ooh, that's interesting. I think a good point to start at is so if you are, a, you know, if you, unless you're passing from distance and going around someone, uh, you're going to have the problem of uh, inside outside. 
for anyone who hasn't come across one of my videos where I've talked about this, um, it's completely stolen from Gary Tonin, um, is this idea that in a forward-facing exchange, so say if Naki here was in close guard and I'm in his close guard, there's an inside party and an outside party. So if Naki in uh, holding close guard, he is the outside party, he is around me. I am the inside party because I'm in between his legs. But if Naki was to hold butterfly guard, I am now the outside party because he is in between my legs. Um, the reason that's important is whoever the outside party is in a forward-facing exchange is afforded upper body attacks. Um, triangles, armbars, kimuras, etc. A lot easier when you have outside control. Um, meanwhile, if you're on the inside, it's easier to go for leg locks. So if I'm inside Naki's clothes guard, it's easier for me to get leg locks on him. Um, and that will initially inform my opinion of what controls I'm looking for whilst passing and what I'm defending, what I'm looking after. The only guard that kind of transition, like holds the line between the two is half because there's an inside leg and an outside leg for both of us. Um, and so you're vulnerable to everything and everything's on the table. Uh, it's the wild west of guards. Um, probably why I love it so much, just because you can you can go upper body, lower body, and chain ideas together. Uh, sometimes I don't even bother passing. Uh, I just submit from inside the guard because let's play. Um, I love playing top half. Uh, <laughs> it's just wild west fighting. Um, <laughs> so that's an interesting part of. Uh, what controls to look for then is what you're exposing. Like, it's very fair, you know, passing, being inside someone's clothes guard and depending on what you do with your arms, you're leaving your upper body exposed. Um, same as like, if I'm in butterfly, I don't necessarily have to worry so much, but if I was to suddenly start standing up and expose the back of my knees, leg locks are coming. Um, leg locks said it. Exactly. So that would be the, like the other thing that was like we were talking about in class is this idea that when I'm hand fighting, I either want very decent armpit control, so like very deep overhooks or super deep underhooks that completely expose the armpit so that I try and get the shoulders flat to the ground. Or if I'm going for two on ones, what I've realized is that I always try and make you cross your center line with your own arm. So that's, you know, same with arm drags and same with Russian tie-ups. I'm always want to be on the outside of your arm and make it cross yourself. And so that's what I realized that I do a lot when it comes to hand fighting because I make you cross your own path, which kind of shuts off your back arm that like you can't fight with it. Um, and I start twisting people up. So when it comes to passing, that's essentially deep unders, deep overs, um, flatten them out if I can. If I can't, I'll make them cross themselves. And if I can't do either of those, I just fight for the inside. As in, whoever, like, same with Muay Thai when you look at the plum, like, whoever's controlling the inside of the neck has their arms on the inside, has the neck. If your arms on the outside, you don't have the neck. Um, exactly the same, like, collar and elbow. Uh, I want to be framing on the inside of your bicep and your neck. And if you get on the inside of mine, I lose control. Um, 
And so that's like the, the, the main points I look at when I'm building my passing and building my drills. What's exposed inside outside theory? Um, maybe it comes to that forward uh, positioning, that forward facing exchange. Who controls the center line space? So bicep, collar, and elbow, tie clinch, etc. Um, and if I can get the shoulders flat to the floor, great. If I can't, I mean, you cross your own center line with two on one grips. Anything to add? That's my take on it. Well, yeah, um, not much, but I mean, yeah, if we'd get too specific then, but I think as an overall point of view, you've kind of hit all the points. Um, I mean, if they are just playing uh, back uh, guard when they're just lying on their back, the way I look at it sometimes is I've got two feet, two knees and two hips to cross before I can lay down as a wet blanket. Um, so, And then I just dance. I go in, out, uh, pin, legs, uh, pressure, speed pass, whatever works because somewhere they will slip and you're also cooking them at the same time. Um, but other than that, I've got nothing else really. I think that you covered the points overall with the inside, outside, and crossing the center line. And obviously, again, it, it's part of it, but not approaching, just giving giving someone their like giving the back of your knees away from you know just step. Like people just step into half guard or they just step into butterfly. Why? It's just because someone's sitting there like in a butterfly position doesn't mean I have to play butterfly with them. Nah, mate. No, choose your game. I right, choose the yeah. battlefield. Um. Yeah, that's uh, essentially it. And I think the other one was to like, there was, I remember on the Bullshido forums like 15 years ago, just as I was getting to BJJ, was like things, you know, people writing back then, things they wish they knew when they started jiu-jitsu. Um, and yeah, the idea of like deal with the weapons as they present themselves, deal with the feet, deal with the knees, deal with the hands, don't just jump for the neck and get all wrapped up. I think, you know, dealing with everything and then progressing was always a good point. That kind of like really helped me out in, in the early days. Um, Christian Gragot's G-spot passing, uh, <laughs> just getting off the kneecaps. And then Chris Halter, um, you know, again, he said something very similar. It was, uh, uh, you know, I want to get ahead of the knees. I either go over them, under them, around them, or through them. Um, then with Fionn Davis, when she came around, she goes, she said, like, either pin them or split them. Like, either pin these together or split them apart. And I think mixing those ideas together all yeah. kind of hit the same points. Like, over, under, round, and through, pin them or split them. Getting off of the knees, denying controls to the other person. Um, hand fighting, uh, controlling the center line, uh, inside, outside theory, what you're exposing if you progress. Um, controlling the center line or making them cross their own center line with two on one grips. Um, deep unders, flatten them out to the back. Uh, and the final one is, especially when it comes to half guard. Is, I think that Gordon Ryan said this at a seminar I went to like years ago, is that being able to threaten legs from the guard will give you passes because you make them think of something else and probably panic enough to actually give away the pass. Same as you could threaten a pass and most people will panic and probably give you a leg lock. And so it's that same like, you know, if, if, if all someone has is a pass, that's all I've got to worry about. Yeah. Like you're just throwing passes at me, like you're just jabbing, and if I can, if I've got retention, I'm I'm going to be able to frustrate you. But if you've got a jab and a cross, a pass and a leg lock, now I'm worried. 
because I don't yeah. know which one you're going to go for and you can mm-hmm. lead me down a garden path and then fuck with me. Um, I think that's quite critical. Is yeah. And that's that's why probably why I migrated towards half guard because I like the idea of I can threaten sub and also yeah. threaten pass and not just threaten sub I can threaten leg and I can threaten arm and neck because it's the the inside outside theory of I've got everything at my disposal as long as I stay tight and I win the exchange when it comes to hand fighting and I'm aware of my own knee line um yeah I like I liked that. Uh, jab cross hook aspect to it as it were yeah agreed um yeah uh i think that's a um some fair ideas when it comes to to passing and actually leads on to the the next question then um so all the stuff we've been because we've been making videos now for can you believe this four years wow dude so how to defend everything the one that started all came out in 2019 april Mm. may and we were like ah shit that went well should we make some videos knack and so those first ones we made are four years old that's unreal and i think it's a very fair point to say is and you know this now black belt <laughs> you progress just as much if not faster at black belt than anywhere any other time of your jiu-jitsu career yeah. such a, you know there are times where you definitely plateau the same but there's also times where you just like receive this deluge of information you can interpret information so much better yeah and you you change and i am not the same person i was four years ago I am older for starters. Um, <laughs> and like you're not, you know, you got your black belt when January, we're now six yeah, months January. post six months. You've been a black belt. Mad, isn't yeah. it? Um, <laughs> and you're not the same person you were six months ago. No idea, mate. Exactly. And so that's like one of the interesting things. Like that's why it's kind of like always been a bit of a, um, issue releasing videos is i know it's going to be wrong soon (laughs) probably as soon as i've made it i'll go shit i know better now i need to delete that um and you know the information that you know is i defend everything there's a lot of stuff that i would keep but there's also so much stuff i take out of that video now and go actually no i wouldn't do it that way these days um how i hold running man like entirely different uh don't do grilled chicken not the same way no. Gone. um no not gone but as in the way to explain it's very different it's yeah. a lot simpler um such as like you know uh, i did a on the on the most recent patreon video um a breakdown of guard retention and how it differs from grilled chicken um just simplifying it you know just just talking about um framing points and and uh that over under round and through and and I don't know, a lot of stuff like this kind of we don't need that anymore from from it doesn't need to be so complex um talking about space as well like not just control but space like keeping space on your side um turtle turtle changed 
turtle hat to change. So normal BJJ turtle. We obviously adopted the preet turtle, which is like you know sticking your your elbows into your armpits, and occasionally gets used. But the problem is when you have someone lifting up your ankles and pushing you on your own head, uh, that turtle becomes a problem. So we had to adapt it. Um, due to having to deal with a more wrestling style of jujitsu, um, and so it kind of that in, in you know informed how we look at things. Staying on the floor unnecessarily changed. Don't do that anymore. Um, so yeah, I think it's you know you can take a lot of information from how to defend everything and the BJJ fanatics how to defend against anyone. Um, but like Preet says, like you have to kind of keep up with his defensive BJJ website to get the newest stuff. Yeah, as you should. Like, there's always you know, you almost like follow that journey. If you're interested in that black belt's work, follow their journey, and don't always go on the you know what they said one, two, three, five years ago, because they're probably wrong. They've probably changed their mind since then. If they're training consistently, they've definitely changed their mind. It'd be weird if they didn't. <laughs> like, did you just stop training for like four years? Yeah. Uh, same as like you know you wouldn't you wouldn't hold anyone else to the same regard. Like you wouldn't look at a blue belt and go, yeah, but you're not rolling as you were. You know, you look at wouldn't look at a brown belt, should I say, and think, well, you know what, rolling that you were as a blue belt. What four <laughs> years ago? Yeah, Pokers was a blue belt. <laughs> Bit better now. You get the same progress. Yeah. Um. So going from that then, someone who comes across the defensive stuff, whatever whatever form they found, whatever age it is, um, how do you implement it? No matter what belt, what would you say comes first? So. When I, I get beginners nowadays, I don't teach them the postures first. I always teach them pummeling first um, to make them understand the importance of the space between the armpits. Uh, then I show them head and arm control, basic ways to hold it, and then I show them single leg. And then I make them play so they understand the importance of the spaces. Show them a defense each from the position, and then I'll let them play for a few weeks, and then... When I'm happy that they can defend and attack at least one thing from each position, so head and arm, a pummel, body lock position, and a single leg. Um, I might add a double leg in there depending on what kind. Of, if they like big guys, I probably won't show them a double. Um, just for safety reasons, just for the time being. And then I'll show them, then I'll take them to the ground, and then I'll uh, introduce, not guard, I used to do guard, I'm not going to lie. I've changed it now. I introduced getting up to them. Uh, but during that period, I, I make them do technical get-ups so they understand how to get up. So when we do hit the ground, what we're looking for. So that's how I treat my first, I would say, eight weeks beginners if I get a pair. Or um, singular people. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I do similar in privates and stuff. Uh, probably not the same completely. Uh, so I, I first thing I talk about is... Um, the bottom leg, getting up. Uh, that's the, the main thing, like high hips. Uh, make sure you're on top. Um, and if your ass is the floor, get up. Uh, freeing the bottom leg, freeing the bottom arm. And then, you know, once that idea is kind of settled in, talking about, well, 
you know, guard retention, open guard, but not grilled chicken. Like, mm. Again, too complex. But using the whole four frame, two frame idea, as in four frames to defend yourself. So don't let anyone north of your kneecaps. Make sure they're south of your feet. You need four frames to create that kind of bubble of safety, but you need two frames to be able to stand up in connection yep. with the floor. Um, then, you know, once, so it's kind of like the, the progression of problems. Like, first thing, I don't want you on your ass, be on top. Second problem, if you're going to be on your ass, you need to stop me from getting past your knees. So this is how you do it. Third thing, then, well, if I get past your knees, you need to deny me going into your armpits. So here's Running yeah. Man, um, which then, you know, kind of, demonstrates that right well if you go to this position i can't get you and but one thing especially when it talks about running man is being super early with it i think that's mm-hmm. critical is that and this applies to anyone who's who's learning the defensive postures for the first time is pull early it has to look a bit mental um but if you are late with it you won't trust it, and you'll you'll miss the the cue. You fuck it up, and you'll get stuck in side control or mount or worse. And then you go, oh fuck it, it doesn't work, and you'll abandon it. But if you pull early, you can then get later over time because you can kind of build up that database of knowledge. Of, right, I can go a little bit later. That was too early last time. And then one day you get caught, and you go, ah shit, too late. Um, and so that's enough for me to to. Tell people, right, well, pull your bottom leg free, get on top, always get your hips higher. If I get you on your back, you know, you need to do, use your four frames and keep yourself with the four frames. Don't let me touch north of your kneecaps. Uh, if I do get past your knees, just running, man. Save yourself. And then um, working on, on getting out of running, man, to turtle and getting back up again. Um, and then when it comes to that, I just looking at basic wrestle-ups, um, as in, instead of like teaching people to shoot, which again is pretty complicated, teaching them to do yeah. wrestle up, grip, and mat returns, it's a lot safer, a lot less uh, amplitude to the takedown. They can like you know, there's there's they're not that initial inertia from just flying at someone and that impact. They're already kind of connected. We're just putting them back on the floor again, or getting returned to the floor, so it doesn't intimidate them as much. Um, and builds up more of that kind of knowledge that once you're in a clinch, this is how you do it. All you need to do yeah. is cover distance. Um, and closing the front door, like, you know, being able to stand up without your front arm exposed and your front side exposed, essentially standing, running man. Um, and then, like, I've realized that's all I I now do. Um, <laughs> that's all I, you know, if I, if I feel I need to keep making progress, that's all I'm really conscious of is that if my mm. ass is the floor, get up if i can't four frames two frames um if they get past running man get up again uh and that's that's it and then just reversing that on on someone like making sure that i keep the intensity on so they can't get up i defeat the four frames uh don't let them have a bottom leg um and then inhabit the armpits Mm. that's it just rinse and repeat as boring as it may be on a day-to-day basis do it again and get better at it. And I think that's a really good frame. Like base, I don't need to then show you stuff for a while. And I think yeah. I said, in, you know, I said in class today as well. I reiterated this is this idea that five minutes isn't a lot of time to learn anything. Like that's barely a tutorial on anything. Like give people time. 
to do it. I know it's you know it's almost like teaching with ADHD or something. Like you want some, something new now. Um, it's nuts, isn't it? I, again, I say it's from a position of guilt. Is that in a class going, you know, teaching? Uh, you know, back in the olden days, doing three or four techniques a night. And you think, and then you know, especially if they've, there's been a warm up and you're doing an hour's class. And you've done 10, 15 minutes of a warm-up. You've left 45 minutes, you're doing three or four techniques. You're barely spending, you know, five-ish minutes, six minutes, 10 minutes or whatever, explain the technique. And then five to 10 minutes drilling, five minutes per person or, or less before you change the techniques up. How the fuck are you learn anything in that time? Where's the sparring? <laughs> Not the sparring, but just learning anything. Like, yeah, where's the sparring? That's all I care. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. You, you, you enjoy it. Um... No, but I agree. But like there's this... no learning time. There's absolutely zilch. Like, no. like you say, there's how many moves are you going to show, and how in five and ten minutes, what are they going to learn? Like, can they explain it? Yeah, I know it's easy to like you know three is a weird number to keep coming back to, uh, but <laughs> I like this idea that you know I want to give you you know if you can figure out the right way of drilling, um, this I you know I, I like this idea of adding complexity or adding intensity. Uh, if you're going to add a new mechanic and add resistance and make puzzles for your partner, don't add intensity. You have to take the intensity off. Uh, you're trying to educate them. Uh, you're not trying to... You, try and make your partner better, not prove that you're better than your partner. Uh, I think that's really, really important when you start adopting this style of training. It's so easy just to get, almost like go back into sparring again, like just losing control. I uh, know... <laughs> be disciplined you're you're the person who's trying to make this person better if you keep losing control and just going aggressive or changing things up like no give them time to learn like if you're going to introduce a mechanic like say say we're doing uh person on the floor i want you to stand uh person on top i want you to to uh hand fight from within their guard so they have to hand fight and find the space to get up right just just hand fight for that point of time that's it and then that's a mechanic. And then you you know increase intensity over time, the more they start getting up. So they can learn the, the moments when they want to go. Don't suddenly go, right, but this time I'm going to hold your leg as well. Like, well, that's a new mechanic. Uh, we, we didn't agree upon that. And if you're still keeping the same intensity, how am I going to learn anything right now? If you're going to suddenly go, right, well, you know, we're really good at the whole standing up under pressure with hand fighting. Now I'm going to grab your leg at the same time. Now I'm going to load the intensity again. Now let's build it back up. I'm going to create new puzzles for you. That takes time. Like that's not a five-minute drill. That can be a whole class, and it doesn't have to be. You know, you you've solved it and got the technique within five ten minutes. Cool. Let's move on to the next. Might take a week's worth of training. Um, yeah. We. No, we I, heard you, I heard you shouting today when I was when I was drilling. I don't know who you were shouting at. It's not fucking sparring. I'm like, ah, shit. Somebody's not doing it properly. <laughs> it's a it's a skill to learn to drill properly and that's the thing that's e you know i think it's it's easy to go between or is it compliant drilling or is it sparring well no there's something in between making puzzles for someone and having yeah. them solve puzzles it's not sparring and uh it's trying to find the right right way of reiterating that i think it's difficult um which is essentially how we then make up classes and then maximizing that learning time. And I think separating out S and C, like if you're serious about jujitsu, 
a bit of calisthenics, running around the room like it's you know high school PE, and and doing push-ups and star jumps like we're adults. Why are we doing star jumps? That looks a bit bonkers. <laughs> um, I get maybe shrimping, but shrimping without context is still just as pointless. Um, like you can build that into a decent drill. Just fucking get on the mats. Introduce the idea for the day. If you've been outside, if you've been up awake at that point, you've probably been warm. There has to be that trajectory of, of intensity. Start low, get intense. Don't go, right, guys, in we go. Let's go crazy warm-up. <laughs> now everyone sit down. And now we're going to get cold and I'm going to talk for five minutes about drilling. And then we do some compliant drills. Then let's start sparring. And it goes crazy again. Like, the hell? Like, no, just <laughs> build it up over time. Um, there is that yeah. idea that you know you, we have to do better. <laughs> Every if the and again that goes back into what I said earlier. Like the coaches, if they're not getting if their if their stuff's still the same as it was five years ago, I'd be worried about that coach. <laughs> they're not progressing either, which is which is terrible. How do you feel with that idea of drilling? Because you took part of it. I love it because I just love moving around. I don't want to just sit there and listen, well, watch some moves happening which ain't going to work. So I love the active drill. I love teaching it because I teach it the same way now and I love doing it myself as well because you can just see the progress with everyone. You know what I mean? It's different. Yeah. I said it has to be that kind of like microcosm of what's going to happen in sparring, what's going to happen in competition, let's have it in training. Like right yes. now, you're going to try and go, but someone's going to try and stop you. They're going to try and hand fight you or control your legs. Right. Let's let's isolate that, um, and then get the side effect that the person making the puzzles is improving their knowledge about how to hold you down, granularly, not just bossle or let's start sparring and adding new mechanics. Like you need to know when things change, um, but then that carries over to sparring. Like right, okay, now we're doing that. We're going to get up from these situations. Yeah, you're going to fail. It's a bit more live, uh, but you can isolate again in training. Um, and then that's inspiring. There's not like that recall problem. Like you just do it anyway. Yeah. Um, there's a continuity, just the intensity changes. Uh, instead of it being three different martial arts, essentially. <laughs> um, context is king. What the hell's happened to that cable? Uh, some stuff's got burnt. I don't know. Um... <laughs> Any further thoughts on that? Um, <clears throat> no, I kind of agree with what you're saying on that one, to, to be fair. Um, no. Have you got any other more questions, or is that the last one? Um, I think that's most of the... That was like the big question solved okay. right there. That was one that I really cared about. I don't care mm. about all the questions, but I knew <laughs> the one that was... Okay, poorly worded. Um, so I care about all the questions, this. but I knew that was the one that was going to take the most time to kind of explain. Is this idea that take some of the information from all the previous work, but yep. it'll have changed, and they're all like that's one of the reasons why I'm doing the Patreon. Essentially, is before me and you get to make videos, um, the ideas that I kind of like is like arrive into my head I'll put on the Patreon and go right this is what I'm kind of thinking this is what I'm trying this is what I'm you know 
what do you think? Um, and then once that's kind of settled, I'm like, you know, cool, we're doing this, you know, pretty consistently. Then make it into the bigger videos, and that's you know when we do you and I together when we get a chance. Um, so again, there's that kind of like you see the progression, you know, and, and the Patreon pretty much uses my like, you know, come on this journey with me. I'm figuring it out as well. Um, <laughs> if there's stuff you want to know, let me know. And um, you know, this is what's currently working for me, and this is how it's kind of going in the gym. Um, and we're well, figuring know, it out. Yeah, exactly. Like black belts have to be figuring out as well. Which you know, when I first heard that from a black belt years and years and years ago, when I was a blue belt and black belts were mythical creatures, is this idea? You know, I was told, you know, don't record me. I was like, why? I, you know, I'll be wrong by the time you record it. Like, what do you mean? Like, you're a black belt. I thought you had this thing figured out. Like, no, oh, no idea. Like, <laughs> I don't know what this belt means, but it doesn't mean I figured it out. Um, and yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, some stuff, yeah, absolutely. Still the same. And, yeah. you know, it gives you a good base, but you also have to come on the journey and go, right, where things gone since. Yeah, some concepts are concrete, like it, they are grappling. You can't move away from them. But what always changes, I think, is because of the way we're now yeah. killing this divide. I think we're, we're bridging the gap, aren't we, now, between training and competition. In our gym, especially now. Yeah, and also like it's also bridging that gap between defense and offense. Yeah, that's always the big one. Is that like how do you turn the defense back into offense again, and how does yeah. it relate to each other? Um, not just like shutting down the defense, or like looking at the opposite. Like you know, if you want the armpits as an offense, then you need to hide it for a defense. But like how to strategically implement it and like how you'd go from various things and how you'd use them in in grappling that's taken time and um, i'm glad we've kind of spent the time to to learn and adopt those yeah um and yeah i'm really appreciative of of what we do on this so this you know this podcast i mean i think this is my we've really come back strong considering that you know it was like oh knack i still had that like i was still paying for the podcast should we do it again <laughs> and now look we're, we're getting equipment and like recording properly like i've got like actual decent headphones so i can hear properly and a microphone with a pop filter so uh, you know and you're you're investing in better and better headphones every week i mean the first time <laughs> i thought you were like recording via potato um <laughs> now you've got a, sub. <laughs> and now you've got a tripod and so the camera stays still yeah <laughs> like, we're moving up in the world dude it's progress um, progress i know right i've even got a ring light to like illuminate me properly <laughs> um strange uh taking this seriously now and I th i'm appreciative of it as well because i'm like it's it's um listen to what we did two years ago i can't it'd be so awful i know i know um but people can come on this journey with us via this via the discord via just watching what we put out on youtube via the patreon yeah, the podcast obviously um we're, we're figuring this out as well and you know some weeks we're going to be saying stuff and we're going like yeah this makes a complete sense for us right now like working this way and next week we're going like what the fuck are we talking about like, <laughs> that makes no sense um yeah and i think that's i mean i think one of the greatest drivers of that is always doing it with beginners and always trying to find the simplest way of explaining something to a beginner yeah like dialing it down repeatedly until it's just it's you know crystallized form you know what's left in the petri dish once you've once you've burnt everything away um yep. 
just simplify, simplify. Just how can they get it easily? Like you know, the way you don't have to show them a million things. Yeah. And we've 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 recently noticed that, haven't we? Really, like it works. That that style, that way of teaching does work. Well, and this why I can't really understand this idea of like an advanced class and a fundamentals class. Like, I don't see how you teach advanced stuff and fundamental stuff, or what would classify as fundamentals and what would classify as advanced. Uh, advanced just okay more complex movements um fine but if your fundamentals are just simple movements if neither have context they're kind of worthless both like and and good fundamentals look advanced that's the thing like if you know pressure a very fundamental idea how to just apply your weight correctly if you're under someone who understands that has mastered that good god it is awful um, but it's easy again like, to get that kind of, you know, Instagram one minute video. It's why it's very difficult to put any of this stuff on Instagram because all the stuff we explain it isn't a minute long. Like we're, <laughs> we're going to have to deep dive into these ideas. I can't explain in the next few seconds. Uh, I ramble anyway. Um, but we want cool, flashy, and all that but you know you come across someone who's like oh yeah he definitely turns his back because he put his weight on me it felt like you know i was getting crushed by three cars that's pretty fundamental to me <laughs> like, why just do that repeatedly um same with boxing like someone who's just you know head movement's a fundamental idea footwork is a fundamental idea but done well and mastered terrifying light hitting a ghost and it's the exact same with this. And that's why I don't like this idea of separating these things out. And just, it's why I've never stopped teaching beginners. Even when I had the opportunity, like, oh no, I could, I could have left, you know, you when you were at Purple Belt. Oh, you teach the beginner class, I'll teach advanced. Mm, nope. I'm going to teach beginners. I'm going to explain to beginners basics standing up day in, day out <laughs> till it's scary. It seems to work. Yeah. Um, it's just reframing, I guess. Jiu-jitsu in your head. Not thinking you need all new shit. And I think that's, again, that kind of weird... <sighs> Impatience, entitlement to jiu-jitsu. Like instead of thinking that you could just grind the fundamentals and become slicker and slicker, and like, no, give me a technique that solves the problem I've got. <laughs> well, no, it's always the same answer. No, I need a technique to solve this that I can do a three or four times and I'll remember it and stop what's happening to me or I could just get slicker at the the real fundamentals no like I need a new technique <laughs> I am not happy with how I'm choking someone like give me more chokes from this situation or just get better at the ones you're doing no like I need new <laughs> technique um, yeah I think that's why we're very much still stuck in the martial arts days when it comes to jiu-jitsu, we're not, a, we're, we're not a combat sport yet. We're trying. It's just on the cusp of doing it. But we suck. Yeah. <laughs> Sad. On that note, I think that's a, a dire... Um, <laughs> before I finish, I think that'd be good for the next one is to talk about why coaching has changed. So the next podcast... We're going like, to get cancelled, mate. We're going to get cancelled. I'm trying not to. I think we're doing all right. Spotify still have us. Well, um, Brazil, will, Brazil is already after you. 
you wait till gee season. Like that rainbow belt is going to be there every goddamn <laughs> session. Um, that'd be also something really interesting to talk about. Is um, I'll see if we can get some guests who are good at it as well. Just like BJJ marketing, building a martial arts club, yeah, like getting people invested, making them interested, um, keeping their interest. It's not about jujitsu, I don't think. Um, okay, fine. I'm gonna say something about that. Uh, no one does jujitsu for jujitsu's sake. No one stays at jujitsu because you can know you can be at a shit club, and you're like, it's dog shit. Like, yeah, I know the training's wank, but you stay because you're friends. Even if you know the shit's tra- training shit, you'll stick because you're friends. Yeah. And I think that's one of the kind of crucial things about running a jujitsu camp as well, and a club in general, is the coach creates the environment. And the environment has to be a social club. Um, and that's why I think the Globetrotters camps are so successful. It's because it's a, it's a six-day traveling circus party with some jiu-jitsu there. And it's like, because <laughs> at the main camp, with uh, me and Christian do this like, Q&A thing. Not Q&A, but we like, take topics out of a hat and like, talk about it. And one of the topics is, is similar to that. And he said, like, you know, when he first started his gym in Copenhagen, he said it... Um, it wasn't a jiu-jitsu club with a drinking problem. It was a drinking club with a jiu-jitsu problem. <laughs> and <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah, and yeah. that's, um, I think that's you know, one thing that I've kind of really noticed that we're really pushing right now is that the inclusion aspect, like it doesn't matter what belt you are, like no, as soon as you're in, like we want to know your name and we're friends with you now. And that we're gonna take, I think is, we're going to bully you and take the piss out of you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We'll make someone feel welcome, know their name, like talk to them, like care about them. Weird that. Um, and it doesn't matter what belt, there can't be that kind of segregation of belts. Like, you know, I ain't going to learn a blue, I'm going to learn a white belt's name until they're a blue belt. Madness. Um, no, like they're human beings as well. Uh, make them feel like, you know, wanted. Like they're going out and seeing their friends for an evening because um, they are wanted. I, as, I don't look at any person and think of their belt or their level. I look at them as, oh, that's my friend. I'm going to have a good roll with them. Um, or a terrible roll. Or I might just smash them and enjoy it and laugh at them as I smash them and joke about <laughs> it. Um, and We'll talk about more about that. I think that's a really yeah. crucial part. Uh, I think that's more, probably the most important part of jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Outside of coaching. That'll be a good episode. Yeah. Yeah, I think it will. Um, maybe next week. We have got a couple of guests lined up. Just mm-hmm. finalising their arrival. And yeah, man, I'm like, oh, damn, I've got these guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the next one. Uh, left it on a more positive note than where it was going. Yeah. Uh, it was getting so, a bit sad and negative. <laughs> nah, I'm not feeling that way, man. I'm positive now. Super yeah. positive. Fatigue, good. positive. Um <laughs> This has been Reap the Week with uh, Naki and I. Uh, thank you for listening in. I hope this uh, episode finds you well with whichever platform uh, you use. Um, if you have any way of letting us know, let us know how you listen to this. Uh, I'd be interested to see where you're, where this is getting picked up uh, or if you're using YouTube. Um, thank you for staying up late and talking to me, Naki. Uh, no problem. Always a pleasure, never a chore. <laughs> Oh man, get some sleep uh, and I'll speak to you. Uh, I'll see you soon.
Yeah, see you soon. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.